WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 33, we talk about how to be prepared for Hurricane Florence and are joined by Tai Wo Jioba. Welcome to R&D in the QC, episode 33. It's going to be a short one, because we had a short meeting tonight. It was terribly boring. Uh, it is, time check, 8.13, and we are already up here in your office recording. And we've got a, a meaty interview with City Planning Director Taiwo Jioba for the latter half of this episode that we did earlier today. Um so we'll just do a lightning round. Let's wing it. Let's start with one piece of wonderful celebratory news. We, my friend, you and I, after 32 episodes, this being 33 now, have surpassed 20,000 downloads. Sir, congratulations. You're a huge deal. Thank you, sir. You're you're welcome, sir. Councilman. Um, yeah. So thank you to all of us, you and me, for yeah. for you know what's for, for for being so dedicated for just crushing it. You know what's surprising to me? If you had gone back and asked me in episode one, when you get to episode thirty three, what would you expect to have a lot of? You know what I would have said? We, I, we would have had a ton of like unused outtakes for like a bloopers reel, and we we barely have anything. We've got like a couple saved up. Your old uh, your old. Uh, Holiday tree, that that one. No one knows what we're talking about because we've never released it. But we've got a couple, but... I don't even remember what you're talking about, so that'll be fun to listen to Ooh, sometime. okay. That was an old one. Um, so congrats. And thanks to all of you. Yeah, no kidding. For making this show uh, worth doing because we'd, we'd probably still do it if we had 10 listeners a week, but it wouldn't be nearly as fun. That's right. Uh, other congratulations in order. Yeah. One of the things I got to, to do today that I enjoyed... Was it our meeting? Let me guess, ribbon cutting. Uh, no, no ribbon cuttings today. But Shoveling. I got to make a proclamation. Oh, that's To it. one of my two alma maters, Johnson & Wales University here in Charlotte. Uh, their women's basketball team won a national championship in their division. Uh, and so we honored them and their coach. And we had the president of Johnson & Wales here tonight to celebrate that. So uh, thanks to all the J-Woo Wildcats that joined us this evening. And congrats on their national championship. Let me ask a quick question. And this is going to come across very ignorant. Yeah, most okay? of the things you asked. <laughs> very ignorant. Um, I didn't realize that there was like a a basketball team there. Is that? Can you describe maybe for the listeners who don't really know, they, who picture Johnson and Wales as maybe something it's not? What is that? What is the university like? They play basketball in chef coats. Really? No, not at all. <laughs> um, no, it's it's a smaller school, and, and the, I mean, is it like a completely regular school, but all the curriculum surrounds food? 
No, so actually Johnson Wales has multiple other degree programs outside of their culinary arts and baking and pastry. They've got business, they've got sports management, event management type really? programs. Yeah. So there's a lot Dang, I there's have no a, idea. They're just known that the the culinary thing is kind of the you know, flashy thing that everybody talks about and where some of their more famous alumni have ended up in, in kind of the celebrity chef world. So that's what they're known for, but they've, they've got good programs in other disciplines. So there are students in there with concentrations in non that have nothing related. to do with food. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but you know, and it is a small school and, and most of the sports teams, there were not uh, varsity sports teams when I was there in 2004, five and six, uh, there were just club teams, but they have added varsity sports programs over the years. Uh, they play in, in very modest facilities. The The gym they play their basketball games in is actually right adjacent to the Panthers practice fields on Cedar Street and would resemble, um, you know, a setup you'd have at like a nice YMCA or a nice high school. Uh, but again, you know, anytime somebody wins a national championship, that's noteworthy. And, um, and when they first started some of their varsity sports programs, eight or 10 years ago, uh, they really, really struggled, but have, have turned around. So kudos to coach King, uh, the head basketball coach for the ladies there. And, um, and we'll, we'll hope they bring him the, the cup or the, whatever it is that they win, uh, for back-to-back championships this coming year. Bring home the bacon guys. What else did we talk about tonight? Uh, we talked about a lot, but here's, here's what we need to jump to now. And this is very important. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we make a lot of jokes on this program, on this pod, if you will, available at 11 p.m. and 8 a.m. Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's an episode 32 reference in case you missed last week. So uh, one thing we don't joke about is extreme weather. We could, but you know it's probably better that we not. We may or may not have extreme weather coming in our way. And for those of you who know how podcasts work, you know that there will only be a few days where this will be unknown in the life of this podcast. And then we'll either know this was truly uh, Nostradamus in nature. I've been saying that a lot since you've, uh, since you've gone crazy, uh, Larkin. Or, uh, you know, it was totally off base. And once again, Charlotte freaking out over weather. But let me tell you, if this thing goes crazy, which, you know, if we're looking at a Cat 2, Cat 3 type situation, you know, could be serious if this thing stalls over us. Be on the lookout for that over the next couple days. And um, my wife actually sent me this awesome checklist uh, of things to remember to stay safe. Now, this might feel like overkill, but you'll thank me later. So hopefully this will jar uh, some memories uh, um, for you tomorrow, maybe, when you, you're trying to plan. One, start running your ice makers now. Bag the extra ice up and fill the space between uh, your freezer items as much as you can. Going to be important. Two, freeze regular tap water for pets, cleaning, or drinking. Use Tupperware-type containers. And remember to leave a small bit of space between the top of the water and the lids. So because the ice, it will expand. It will expand. Is that a Johnson & Wales thing you learned? No, that's just uh, <laughs> basic first-grade science. Got it. Three, sanitize at least one bathtub. And fill it up with water 24 hours before the storm hits. But meanwhile, before that happens, right, make sure your tub can actually hold water. Here's an unknown fact a lot of people don't realize about bathtubs. It may, it may hold for a 20-minute bath. 
but it's not the same as keeping it filled for several days. Fill it with about two inches of water, check on it after a couple of hours, see if the water's still there. If not, you're going to need to find other ways to seal it. I recommend duct tape. Duct tape works for everything. Did you say Krista sent you this list? I mean, she didn't make it. Where did she get this? I'm not sure. And I haven't read the whole thing. It's about to get weirder. All right, check that again. Or fill several plastic totes and bins with water and keep them in the tub. All right, four, start using your perishables today to make more room in your ice for ice in the freezer. Five, secure all your fire. If you eat all your perishables, what will you need the ice for? Well, for for non-perishables. That don't need ice. (laughs) This is a confusing and weird. Look, I'm pretty sure this is all correct. Okay, uh, so eat How about all just your perishables. Have a couple of extra fact, cell phone batteries. Stop. Eat all your food now. All right, <laughs> you must eat all your food right now, and do not stop eating until it's gone. Well, all that's right? kind of my policy. Well, yes. Most days, anyway. Yes. All right. Five. Secure your firearms and ammunition properly. <laughs> to all our Republicans. Oh yeah, and you closet Democrats with all your weapons around here. Eh, we we have we have more reasonable weapons. It's important because if the if seriously if things go down, you don't want those to fall in the the hands of the wrong people. Because what if the zombies come? Eat your perishables. <laughs> don't get moved to guns and ammo until you've eaten your perishables. <laughs> this list is in order. Okay? Hide, <laughs> hide your gun in a bag of ice in your freezer. Yes. Gas up all vehicles and check your tires and oil today. That's number six. How long is this list? It's long. Number seven, get cash today from the ATM. Hide Enough to get mattress. you through the tolls and out of town. I guess this is we a don't northeastern have tolls around thing. Here. I'm not sure where this list came. Call your bank if you plan on leaving the state so they don't freeze you. Yes. A friend of mine just posted a picture in Target. The shelves are bare. The shelves are bare. Screenshot. And send to your email all of your important documents. Put originals in sealed bags or plastic bins. Number nine, stock up on pet and livestock food and supplies. Number ten, Have buy your a kayak. Records handy in case you need shelter. Ten, share evacuation plans with family and friends so they know where you're going to be. Eleven, st- I'm keep going, Larkin. This is important. Nothing's more Tar- important. I'll than this. share my evacuation plan with you on Thursday. Yes. I'm headed to Louisville. Really? That's where I'll be sheltering in place. Excellent. Sheltering in place. I don't think that's a thing. Store your family heirlooms and photos in plastic bins. I'll go faster. 12. Keep old rags and beach towels on your windowsills. Even with the best windows, it's a lot easier to clean up a wet towel than have to replace drywall. 13. Shutters, windows, and doors. Bring everything outside. I don't know. If that- I feel like this is for people who <laughs> I don't live think at the that's beach. Right. Yeah, that's true. 14. If you don't already have your hurricane supplies, get them today, obviously. And here's the final one, Larkin. Evacuation tip. I'm wondering if you've heard this one because I've heard this one before. Okay. Fill a mug with water and freeze it. Okay. Then put one quart of your own blood on top of the the water. You're making this up. No. All right. You freeze the mug. Then you put a quarter on top of it. And put it in every freezer you have. When you return, if the quarter is all the way at the bottom of the bo- of the mug, your food is not safe to eat. If it's in the middle, eh, 50-50, you give it a shot. And above the middle, eat it. Below the middle, don't. Middle 50-50. That's actually somewhat clever. Uh, Very clever. But I invented that, that actually. I didn't list. even just read it. 
That's a pretty good one. So those, my friends, are the 2018 <laughs> and storm. If you're listening to this episode checklist. on Saturday or Sunday, we apologize for wasting the last five minutes of your life. Or being so flippant and glib about something that was so terrible. <laughs> what else did we have? <laughs> I don't know. That was mostly a filler because we didn't do a whole lot in our meeting today. It was so boring. Uh, I mean, seriously, why did we even have counsel tonight? You read well, all these proclamations. We, we, actually, we actually passed a lot of items uh, that were necessary, but none of them were particularly noteworthy. Or, or... What about the rats? Yeah, you we, talk we, about had, that? Um, we had some residents from Arbor Lake Apartments that came, and that was... We've heard from several of them in the past weeks, and we we started with having Pam Weidman from Housing and Neighborhood Services talk about the work that's being done around Arbor Lake Apartments from the city and the state and county's perspective already. Um, what's happening over there is is you've got a property owner and property management who have not taking care of that property and so we know that for a fact that they're, they're, I mean, they're yeah. they, they threw out terms like slumlord clearly without any background uh that i have are, are you confirming on, that's the case yes based on um the reports i've heard from from staff and officials that have looked at it um that is at least to some degree accurate and and so there's there's mold there's been um pests and so i mean it's definitely a bad situation it, it puts everybody in a bind because if the residents refuse to pay their rent, then uh, they might not be eligible for some of the, the, uh, the options that we would have for them in terms of rapid rehousing. But if there's that, that kind of rats and mold, how is he, the question that's going through my mind is how is he allowed to still be in business? I mean, there are codes and ordinances that prevent that. Are there well, not? I mean, we yeah, condemn, I know that doesn't solve the affordable but housing But if they go problem. in tomorrow and they, condemn the whole thing you've then got every one of these tenants is displaced and if we don't have a place for them to go you start asking yourself well which is worse do you do you want someone sleeping in their car that night or do you want them sleeping in a substandard apartment we don't want them in either but until we can find a place to rehouse a lot of these folks and start to address some of the code violations you don't want to just come in and and padlock all the doors i agree you don't want to padlock the doors but i mean if we're in a situation where this person owns the property. They are making money. It's a revenue source for them. And they are breaking code. So how they, is somebody they, not coming in and levering him up somehow? Well, there, there have been a lot of citations um, written already, as, as I understand. So, again, it's I mean, there is a legal process, and you, you can't sometimes do things as drastic as um, So when they say we want. dropped the ball, we just... It, they've been asking for a while. I mean, they came in and were pretty aggressive at some statements they made against us. They were, but I mean, I, I can imagine that if you or I were in that situation, we'd be pretty oh, desperate be, too. Yeah. I mean, and, but and, I hadn't heard anything about this. Now, clearly, I'm not the first one they're coming to because it's not my district. Yeah, and had you heard anything it's, about it's this? It's not mine either. And I had from um, from one of the women that spoke today. I had, had talked to her about it, and she'd said she'd spoken to folks, and there was some ongoing efforts. So yeah, I mean, it, we we'd heard some rumblings of this, and um, and I know that our staff had been working on it. And again, some of that is um, other governmental entities besides the city, but the city's been involved, and um, it's it's never fast enough when you've got somebody who's living in that substandard a uh, situation. But uh, again, you know, it, we can't just come in and say, well, yeah, we're going to shut this whole thing down because then you create an entirely new problem, and so. 
Uh, and we know with our housing shortage, we can't just magically snap our fingers and have dozens of places to relocate people um, on a on a day or two or even weeks notice. So, um, you know, I, I know that staff has been very engaged in this. And, and so if if anybody's listening that knows anybody that lives at Arbor Lake, um, the mayor, I think, stated it well today at the end of the discussion. But we hear them, we see them, we we know the problem, and we're not okay with, with that kind of living conditions for anybody in our city. Um, again, the solution is just not always as, as quick to come as we would like it to be. And, yeah. and part of that's a legal process that has to be followed. Um, I want to go, I th- I'm thinking about going tomorrow and seeing it. I mean, they, that's what they asked. Come see it, call, call to action. Yeah. So, you know what? I, I, maybe I'd like to, see, I'm not saying that I'm going to come up with any ideas that are going to help fix the process as it relates to, you know, the hurdles and all the people that are working on it now, but who knows, maybe, maybe I'll see something that'll jur some, you know, uh, make some kind of thought jump into my head and in an angle we could take it. So there we go. What else? Did the lady really have a real bag of rats? No, they were, it was, um, like rubber toys. How do you know that? Cause I, I mean, I could tell like just looking at it. Yeah. Bag of rats. Uh, yeah. So, if anyone's not understanding what that reference is, one of the the speakers tonight had brought a mesh bag of like rubber, um, theoretically rubber rats, rubber rats, and there were tails sticking out of it, and it was uh, a yeah, pro- I the a pro- but I mean, it, it kind of uh, it kind of got the point across. I mean, you're saying, you know, would you live bag of rats in these kind of conditions? And no, none of us would would want to, and none of us would want anybody to. So, um. Again, I was glad Pam was able to get up and and state for anyone who was listening, residents or not of, of that complex, what the efforts that have been undertaken already have been and, and what the plans are going forward so that people didn't just think, oh, well, the city's been ignoring this problem. Uh, we've certainly not, and, and we'll continue to work towards a, a resolution for those folks. But it is, uh, it is tough to imagine anyone – in our city having to live like that and uh, particularly the stories of young children so true i don't think there was a whole lot else tonight unless i'm forgetting something but we do have a pretty robust discussion coming up after the break with taiwo jioba about the 2040 comprehensive plan we'll get into a little bit of the udo which we've talked about before and talk about how we vision uh out 10 20 30 years and how we're going to build our city. So, unless you got something else, we'll just tell everybody to stick around. For Mr. Jayoba. Stick around. For Mr. Jayoba. We'll be right back. Welcome back to R&D in the QC. We have got a special first-time guest of the pod, Mr. Taiwo Jaioba, Thank new you. planning director for the city of Charlotte. Welcome on, Taiwo. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not new anymore, though. No, you're not. No, but you're new to the podcast. You're new yeah, to our listeners, maybe. Yeah. New uh, to the podcast. Out of the 11 council members and mayor, how many of them can say your name as properly as I can? Oh my god! Is it perfect the way he does it? He did it very well just now. Notice that he said very well, not perfect. Yeah, not perfect. Why don't you say it for our listeners? Taiwo Jaioba. That sounds like exactly what I said. No, you didn't say anything like that. Didn't have that really the accent. Really good accent. Yeah, Yeah, you know. 
Yeah. So, Ty, we got you on because tonight's meeting, and, and we'll we'll let folks know we're recording this segment with Ty Wo before the meeting, but at the meeting tonight, one of the meteor topics we're going to be getting into is the 2040 Comprehensive Plan. It went great, didn't it? Tarek likes to pretend like we know what happened before it happens. Or it went terrible, Ty. Which one? Maybe it's prophetic. Yes. It went very well. Larkin is prophetic. Pathetic. <laughs> pathetic. Ty, tell our listeners a little bit about the 2040 Comprehensive Plan. Yeah, what are we hearing tonight from you? So tonight, what you're going to hear from me is that um, we are going to be talking about this Comprehensive Plan, Charlotte Future 2040, and how it's like a hub. And there are other things like spokes around this, such as transportation, housing and economic development, uh, infrastructural services, um, utility provision, and all of those things. And how the comprehensive plan serves like a core that drives a lot of all of those things. As we talk about shared growth, we're developing at a fast pace. Where do we put that development? And how do they coexist with one another? So that's what you're going to be hearing. The second piece you're going to be hearing from me tonight is that we have hired a team of advisors who will help us to walk through this over the next 24 months. They are experienced in doing this type of thing. They did the not try on 2020. Uh, they did the Center City 2020 plan as well as the not try on uh, plan. But they've also done some work in North Carolina like Greensboro, Winston-Salem, downtown uh, planning. And so they just finished Denver comprehensive plan as well as San Antonio. So I assume you mean Denver, Colorado, not Denver, North Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado, yes. Tark and I have talked a lot on the podcast about the UDO, the Unified Development Ordinance. Which one of these is the chicken and which one's the egg? How does this how is this going to influence the UDO or how the UDO well, influence the twenty four? Would you plan? mind if I ask a clarifying question before it's in the same vein of yeah. where Larkin's going? So you got on board here and there was this thing called the UDO you inherited. Yeah. Which again Development ordinance is what mm -hmm. our community out there needs to take away from that. Now there are three pieces in your plan, okay. one of which is a vision, one of which is a plan, and one of which is an ordinance, right? All unified, but there's a particular order. Maybe just taking Larkin's question one step further, for folks who aren't in the weeds of this every day, what are each of those and why are they important and, and maybe in an order? Okay, I'll say there are actually two, the vision and the plan. Uh, essentially almost the same thing. Okay. Uh, so you can have the vision as part of your plan, but your plan makes no sense without a vision and values as part of it. So that plan defines the vision. Where are we going to go to? Uh, where are we growing towards as a city? Um, not just in terms of population, but also in terms of our development and how we accommodate new people moving here and how exactly we live with one another here, preserving character of existing neighborhood and all of those things. That's the vision. The UDO, the Unified Development Ordinance, is a regulatory piece. So once you have that vision in place, and I'll talk about that briefly tonight, the UDO is the tool that allows you... Right? Exactly. Because, because the, the plan itself or the vision is not legally mandated, but the UDO is a legal document, it's a legal instrument to help you implement your vision. The UDO codifies the vision that we set yes. forth in the, in the conference. So is that plan. why we were all struggling so Th mightily and the guy from Raleigh that yes, came down Mitch and Silver. he was like, you guys are taking this down the, the wrong hardest way. path you possibly mm -hmm. could. You're, you're essentially bypassing the community, which is the vision and plan. That's piece. where the community gets involved. Which, exactly. In hindsight, how the hell were we supposed to have accomplished that? <laughs> so, the, the, so I'll tell you this. The state of North Carolina actually says that no 
zoning ordinance should be prepared without a comprehensive plan. Mm. But the state did not define what a comprehensive plan should look like. The last time we had a type of comprehensive plan we're about to embark upon was 1975. So what we've done through that time is to focus on the land use species. We had a generalized land use plan in 95. We had the centers, corridors, and wedges, and then we started with the place types. All of those things could easily, to anybody, have represented one vision or the other upon which you now base a regulation. But coming in, I felt, no, let's not just be looking at it this way. Let's look at this within the framework of other things that are bigger than this, urban markets. Um, you know, how do you talk about sustainable uh, mobility within this plan? Um, centers, corridors and wedges and place types, they were not aspirational enough to make the community really get engaged and, and for you to be able to do the type of um, UDO that you really want to have. So now that we're embarking on this comprehensive plan, it brings all of those things together. One element in the comprehensive plan is what we call livable and connected community. Place types is a piece of that. Then another element is our transportation. Then another element is our sustainable environment. Then another element is housing and economic development. So all of those things eventually tied together. The place ties wasn't going to do that. And the centers, corridors, and wedges were too limited to be able to do that. Mm. So one of the things that I, anybody who's lived in Charlotte for any amount of time knows Charlotte loves to put plans and, and visions. And we've had 2020 and 2030 and now 2040. And, um, you know, a lot of folks we hear from that see the neighborhood area plans that we put out how much of those should people see as gospels? How much of that is going to actually manifest itself exactly the way we project or exactly the way we aspire to? And how much of that is just kind of loose guardrails that, mm -hmm. um, that might end up looking different in the end, or we might look back and say, well, we, we were wrong on a couple parts of this. Um, so, um, so I'll tell you that one good story is that we had a 2030 transit system plan. And now, by the time the Metropolitan Transit Commission adopts what um, the Charlotte Area Transit System is proposing at the end of this year, it will set us on a path to actually implementing that entire 2030 vision, transit vision. So that's, that's a good story. It means that you can actually have a plan that is implemented. Part of this whole uh, plan is to be able to say, okay, it's a 20-year plan. But we also know that time is not static. In three, four, five years, we're going to see things that are different, such as the emergence of the autonomous vehicle. We're going to take that plan again and say, where can we tweak this to make sure that it reflects the changing times? So what you're going to be adopting in two and a half years' time, uh, if we were to start today, is great. Sets up a policy framework. And when you're but talking about two and a half years from now, you're talking about the UDO. I'm talking about the comprehensive plan itself. It's a 24-month plan. I plan to have a draft plan to you by September of 2020 and then give you enough time to be able to, you so know, So then timeline-wise, if people should expect that that's a, a two-year mm -hmm. uh, project for you to bring to fruition and bring to council for a vote, what does that mean for the timeline of the UDO? So what that does for the UDO is instead of us finishing the UDO, as I've been saying, summer of 2020, it means we finish the UDO spring of 2021. Um, so everything kicked off by about kicks off by about six um, six months or so. But we're not stopping though. There is an element of the UDO which is the transit oriented development ordinance, which we're going to bring to council in January 
for adoption because we know that areas around our transit stations are also not going to wait. You need to take action on those quickly. There is also the tree ordinance. We plan to bring that to you by next year around this time. Uh, we also want to make some administrative amendments as well. Uh, there's also something that I really would like to do, what I call charitable housing designation, where you actually have non-profits and organizations where they can actually be able to do affordable housing in an expedited manner if we create a designation for them in an existing ordinance. I don't want those to wait until we have a UDA So how can you do those faster? Those can actually... Without, without I mean, because it, it, my critique, and we've sat in a room mm-hmm. and you've said some funny things back to me when I proposed <laughs> the timeline for you. Um, but... At the end of the day, so how are you able to almost bypass or speed up the unified vision and plan to get to the UDO piece of, of Todd? And things some, like of, some of these things don't necessarily need to have a comprehensive plan in place to be done. We already have a plan for especially how our transit areas, we have transit areas transit area plans, which we've had on the books for a while now. So some of those things are already there. What the TOD ordinance can do for us is actually to take our existing TOD ordinance and advance it in such a way that it reflects what the community already said they want with regards to transit rental development before today. Uh, What the comprehensive plan will do in addition to that is to say, okay, we're building new lines in the future. What should those look like? So this TOD ordinance will only address the existing corridors and whatever may happen in its timeline, but the comprehensive plan will be charting the path towards what happens when we now begin to have other lines that will go to maybe Ballantyne or elsewhere. So, so brass tacks here, right? Mm-hmm. In 2023, whoever's sitting in these council seats by then or whoever's in one of our neighborhoods, what's different? How is life different now with that there? There's a question you've been asking, I would say pretty much since I've been here for the last eight months. Um, What's the vision? What's the vision? Uh, When when we're talking about a particular place, okay, what vision do we have for this place? And then we come back and tell you, oh, well, this thing is not consistent with an area plan that was done like in 1996. Mm -hmm. That will change. That area plan will no longer, the area plan you're going to refer to will not be a 1996 area plan. It will either be the South End Vision Plan, which was just done by you in 2018, or the Prosperity Hawks, which was 2016. And then you have ones that are now done in 2019, 2020, 2021. Um, And so that will be the difference. The difference will be that you now update those 1992 area plans to reflect the trend. But I mean, that, but that's the, that's the action of updating documents and pushing them around. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is like, here's an example. If I am a council member in 2023 and a rezoning has popped up, is there a place I can now look and say, yes. hey, we're not a deal-making city, yes. we're a planning city. There is. And this is the output mm-hmm. of what should be here. Exactly, because during this comprehensive plan process, we're going to go into the community and we're going to start asking people, what do you envision to see? So in other words, the vision of the community is going to be reflected in the document that you adopt eventually as part of this plan. So when someone comes forward with a document saying, oh, this is what we want to build, you say, well, that's not what the community agreed to. But see, that's the impossible to. part of this, of this, uh, uh, you know, workload that you have in front of you. Everything else is achievable. What I think is impossible still, and I've said this multiple times, is right now the community only engages at one time, and that is when somebody tries to do something different in their backyard, whether it's a good or bad idea. So all these folks, in thinking that they're going to proactively get involved and shape their community, and and 
when literally at the end of the day, here's the 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 Nostradamus uh, pr- prediction of 2023. We completely rezone the entire city at one time, and everyone starts realizing, wait, they can build what near me? Yeah. And everyone starts freaking out, and we have mass chaos. And that's possible if we don't do it right. Um, the, the, that's also possible if we only define the community as residents. But if you're also defining community as developers, as people who are actually partners in this, it means they are also at the table where we're talking about shaping the future. So there's no way, well, I shouldn't say there's no way. The likelihood is that if you sit with the community to say this is the type of thing that is acceptable for the most part in this area, it's an industrial area, you're not going to come forward in the future and say you want to turn it into something else because you were there when we all sat down to agree, unless circumstances or situations have changed at that Mm -hmm. particular time. And then the council can say, okay, well, this is what the community agreed to, to make it an industrial area. Why are you changing it into housing? Um, At that particular point, you you can begin to engage in some kind of conversation. Well, the market isn't there right now for industrial. We see that the market trend is there for housing or the type of housing that has industrial attraction to it. You know, at that point, you can never totally eliminate negotiation, but you can have negotiation with reason. Mm. If there are certain criteria that we all together agree to. Of course, that presumes that we all together agree on anything. I've got two rezonings next week, both of which they're... Is half the neighborhood that loves it and half the neighborhood that hates it and says, this isn't an appropriate use here. And the other half says, I think it's a, a very appropriate use mm-hmm. here. So um, it'll be it'll be quite a challenge and a heavy lift to get everyone on board you, to say, you probably would never. this neighborhood should have you know, a mix of uses in inside of it or people will say, no, it should be all residential. So, yeah. And that's one of the ones I'm up against next week. So it's even in those kind of specific one-off incidents, uh, people – oftentimes have very different views of what they want their neighborhood to look like. Mm-hmm. How important is a, is a community, a direct community member's view towards what their area plan should be? Because there's a school of thought here, which mm-hmm. is on one side of the coin, whatever it is, they're going to say no, like literally. And then when you're a couple blocks away or a couple neighborhoods away, all of a sudden everybody you, wants you, you're a little less biased and you're mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, we need to do affordable housing or, you know yeah. what, an activity center there would make sense. I mean, how, how do you balance that? And how do other communities that are, there are communities that literally don't have a zoning process. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. Like are Texas. they superior? They're not necessarily. Look at Houston. Houston has no zoning. I mean, look at it. It's and is all, it a terrible mess? It's or is all, it, all is over it, the place. Yeah. I, I would say that some people use it as an example of saying that's why we don't need zoning. But then you quickly counter it by saying, why do you want to drive to walk f- from your house two hours one way? You know, it's, So it's the byproduct just, of sprawl. no zoning is sprawl? It's sprawl. It is sprawl. Interesting. Um, once you have good zoning in place that people cannot just bypass and make uh, a mess of, you tend to create more smart communities. And I don't mean smart when it comes to techie, but in terms of how communities grow smartly. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is within proximity. Um, you, you provide opportunities. You create communities of opportunities, so to speak. So I've heard you have a, pl- a planner's um, uh, kind of theory on... Uh, Black Panther and Wakanda. Yes. Is that true? How, yes. Give us the short version of that. So, okay. So you had that, right? So notice Wakanda. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was able to, you, you could see the high, you know, skyscrapers, a very advanced transit technology. On the other hand, too, you also saw cows and goats and, you know, and yet they were living in the same community. So to me, it's about 
preserving your community while at the same time embracing innovation and change. It's possible for them to live side by side with minimal tension. How is that then possible you, in the two, real th- world? Two thoughts here. A, you heard it here first on Arnie <laughs> and the QC, cows and goats coming back to Uptown Charlotte. <laughs> yes. Two, how much do you think Taiwo's kids hate watching movies with him? Because it's, yes. it's Black yes. Panther and it's an action hero and he's analyzing the, he the city it. planning now, of kids, Wakanda. listen. Do you guys see that? That's, that's not an R twenty two. That's because of Wakanda's UDO and yeah. comprehensive vision yeah. black kids. They looked at me like, "What? Uh, yeah, hey, we're never dad? Bringing you in a movie again." Yes. Yes. But I also, but I tell you though, what I liked the most about it was the fact that people had gathering places. And you know, you had to see a place where people can just go have food, gather around, and talk about life and all of that. We had a children in planning day the other day, and I started looking at what kids were saying. Kids said, "We want." We want to see what old Charlotte was like. You know, what the character of old Charlotte was like. Kids were saying that? Yeah, yeah I know. How old were these kids? Wait, we had kids between the ages of 5 and 16. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, I thought I was yeah, impressed. My kids are not saying anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> so I think there's somewhere there, um, we cannot necessarily regain what we had, but there's a way to preserve some characters of our neighborhoods today, while at the same time, there are places where you just have to build new. Uh, there's, there's just that tension will always be there. It's about how we manage it. Good. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on Charlotte Forever. Charlotte, Charlotte Forever. forever. Right, we're all doing. It. You can't see it, but we're all doing the Wakanda. Yeah. We should come up with our own Charlotte one, though, Taiwo. We're going to put you in charge of that too. That's it. Okay. Uh, Clear your We schedule. appreciate everybody joining us this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Anything else, Tark? I think we're out. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Who win it now? <laughs>